Blog Talk Radio. All that stuff is ironed out. We got Kentucky football cats on the practice field. We got NBA playoffs. We got all all kind of stuff. We got we got baseball, unwritten rules, beef, whining, crying, debates. All all kind of stuff, man. All kind of stuff, like you said. Absolutely. So first and foremost, we're in at 845-277-9373. Give us a call. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter, at Cats Talk Wednesday. Appreciate that. Uh, shout out to Michelle, who was listening to old episodes again last night. So appreciate that. Uh, got 300 episodes in the archives, over 23,000 listens and downloads. People checked out the show from far and near and here and there. We definitely appreciate that. Y'all taking time to listen to two dudes talk about the cats each and every Wednesday evening. So, Land TV, we got the schedule, 10 games, SEC only, opening up on the plains down in Auburn, Alabama, at Georgia Stadium against the Auburn Tigers on September 26th. As of now, um, that is the plan. Yeah, you know, again, I'm not going to bang the drum. Basically, all I'm saying is we, if we want this to happen, we've got to be smart. And when I say we, I mean everybody. I mean everybody has to, has to be good, right? Everybody that wants to see this take place, has got to do their part. So let's just, for the purpose of this discussion, assume that everybody does what they're supposed to do and we're able to manage this COVID-19 situation. Uh, I'm confident with this schedule. I I know toward the end, uh, Kentucky's got – uh, Alabama and Florida in back-to-back games. I've seen a lot of consternation in the big Blue Nation about that. 
Um, but my only point is, if we want to be the program that we want to be, you, you got to play these games. You can't run and hide. You know, everybody says, you know, we want Bama. Okay, we'll, we'll, we'll get Bama, right? Uh, we get uh, Bama in between uh, LSU and Auburn for Bama. So uh, I ain't saying it's a trap game, but I'm saying that of those three games, Kentucky's the game Alabama's not going to pay attention to because, <laughs> you know, they want to get LSU back last year, and Auburn, Alabama is Auburn, Alabama. So looking at this schedule, I mean, you could say eight and two and, and feel confident with that. I've seen people saying four and six and five and five. No, I, I'm not. I don't think that there's going to be a backslide. Starting off with Auburn, I think the Cats could beat Auburn. I think the Cats could beat Ole Miss the next week. I think they could beat Mississippi State. I think they could beat Tennessee. <laughs> you know, and I'm looking. Okay, Georgia might be a little rough, but Missouri, Vanderbilt, and then you get to the Bama, Florida. Uh, I feel confident in Florida, you know, and I feel confident the next week at South Carolina. I'm sorry, at home, South Carolina. Mm-hmm. So you have to keep you have to keep in mind, and I know we're going to touch on the NBA bubble, uh, unfortunately, but <laughs> with limit. <laughs> With limited fans fans being limited, and as of right now, I know that schools are talking about what they're going to do with fans. I don't know with things being the way they are right now, how you can have fans, because you can can stagger people in. I don't know how you stagger people out at the end of the game. Anyone that's ever been to a game, knows that it's very organized on the way in. It is not organized on the way out. So I don't know how you monitor people exiting the stadium. And someone else, I forget who it was, I follow so many college football people. I don't know if it was Nicole Auerbach of the Atlantic or uh, Stuart Mandel of the Atlantic, whoever it was, uh, it's something, if you remember, I brought this up a long time ago when they talked about not having anything. How do you keep people from tailgating outside the stadium? How do you dedicate man, manpower to do that? That's going to be an issue. I, you know, you can, if you're only going to let 10,000 people in for Auburn, Alabama, you're going to have people that come to the stadium. Like, I, I don't. I don't see how you get around that. But, you know, feeling that out logistically, that's, you know, that's not my thing. But if you're going to play on a tough game on the road, this is the year to do it. If it's, you know, minimal fans, if it's half capacity, as we have seen, fans do play a role. There's a reason teams want home field advantage home court advantage in the playoffs, right? It, it's a, there's a benefit to that. 
So if you take that out and you make it just about the basketball, you see, as we've seen in the NBA, with the two number one seeds losing, that home field advantage, that home court advantage, it's worth something. Vegas knows it. So uh, if you minimize that, I'm not saying that Kentucky's going to go down to Tuscaloosa and, and put half a hundred on Alabama. That is not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is the environment may be more conducive to a pretty good ball game. That's what I am saying. So uh, looking over the schedule, I seven and three, eight and two, assuming that what's been put out is, is doable, I, I don't see any problem doing that. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. I'm, and when they said ten game schedule a couple of weeks ago, that that's what they were kicking around, and I, I was thinking, you know, six and four should be the floor for this team. Uh, you know, it's it's SEC. It's week in week out. It's going to be that grind. It's going to be those gauntlets. We've been talking about this every year we do the schedule. You can look at any team on the schedule and, and see the SEC period is going to be tough every week, but you can see that two, three, four-game stretch for everybody that it's going to be super-duper tough. Um, but at Auburn for Kentucky, I was confident in that one pre-COVID. I mean, the schedule for this year came out last year or in the middle of last season like it always does. And I was I was confident with Kentucky's chances pre-COVID, full stands at Jordan-Hare Stadium. Uh, Auburn is, you know, it's a, it's a power name. It's a, it's a uh, you know, it's, it's one of the upper echelon teams historically year in and year out. Uh, you know, won a title under Malzahn. I think uh, Gus had him. Should have beat Florida State and Jameis the next year, I do believe. But then you got years where, you know, Gus is on the hot seat, and they kind of frustrated with Gus. And it's not as, you know, they kind of underachieve as well. I think Kentucky had a good shot to go down there pre-COVID, full house, and win. They definitely like their chances, you know, with whatever portion of Jordan-Hare has stadium, has students or whatever, you know, it's 90,000. Um, definitely like their chances. Um, and then the Mississippi duo, the next two weeks, you, you got, we said it last year and the year before, you know, Mark Stoops is now in a position where he should be beating up on first-year coaches. He took his beating when he came in and was building the program to where it is now. Mike Leach, Lane Kiffin, they have head coaching experience, but it's their first year at Ole Miss and Mississippi State, respectively. Pounce on them, no mercy. They're still figuring stuff out and implementing their systems, and they haven't, you know, had a lot of practice time to do so. Take advantage of both of those. Tennessee, Coach Stoops is beating every team in the East except Georgia. That includes a win over Tennessee in 2017. Should have some more wins over Tennessee. You know, should have had them beat. You know, should have beat them last year. You know, it is what it is. They 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 couldn't quite punch it in from the goal line. Uh, 
it kills me, but I, you know, I'm. It's just something about where they play Tennessee, <laughs> especially having won in Neyland since '84. They break it this year, but I'll, I'll pick them and drop that one. They'll be three and one. And then Georgia, mm, rough patch, three and two. I got them bouncing back against Missouri. By week, bounce back against Vanderbilt. Take a tough one at Alabama that has them five and three. But we also remember the last time they played at Alabama, and that was in the Stoops era. They lost 34 to six, but you had Alabama defensive linemen like, you know, Jonathan Allen and those guys who were draft picks talking about Kentucky's offensive line was the most physical offensive line we have faced. And this is before they were where they are now. This was pre-Big Blue Wall. And you had Alabama guys tipping their hat in respect to a undermanned Kentucky team. So they're better equipped to go to Alabama. I still don't know if they beat them. And then I have them bouncing back to beat Florida. And that's, look, that's another team we should have some more wins against. Been going toe-to-toe with them for years. One in the swamp with Terry Wilson two years ago. I think they do it again. And look, South Carolina, you know, aside from last year, they've been handling them like they've been doing Missouri and Vanderbilt. So I, I got them 7-3 and three a solid, 7-3, and three, which – SEC games only, no cupcakes, only one bye week, that would be a fantastic year. Now, they, there might be a clunker in there. There might be injuries because of playing SEC teams every year that, you know, deplete the depth that Kentucky has now. But as of now, I, I can see them going 7-3. and three. I, I got them 8-2, and two, and I think with with Georgia and Alabama being the two uh, losses, uh, mm-hmm. and that's uh-huh. and, and that's and that's simply because honestly, uh, and I may catch some grief for it. Uh, they they the, the talent level is is just even though Kentucky is much better, uh, mm-hmm. it's it's that, Al, it's that Alabama's third and fourth guys are SEC col- uh, caliber players. That's that's going to be the difference in this grind of a season. Uh, and it's not just injury, but uh, as Van Howe, a uh, friend of the show, has talked about, Anthony White, folks we've had on, it's just your body gets beat up, and so mm-hmm. uh, I think I think that that depth becomes an issue because right now, I'd say. The, the depth has been as good as it's ever been at Kentucky. Mm-hmm. You're talking every every position is too deep, right? Every position is is too deep with SEC guys, and that is enough to uh, to, to take on Vanderbilt, to beat uh, uh, to beat Missouri, uh, to beat South Carolina, and to compete against the Mississippi schools. Okay, mm-hmm. where I think. The, the team with that depth, I have the utmost faith in the coaching. So I think that Stoops and company, they learned some lessons from those close games against Florida, against Tennessee, and I think they're able to get it done. You know, we, we talk about the near misses, and some of those near misses against those two schools in particular, 
you can you can chalk up to coaching. You know, a couple of years ago, the uncovered uh, Florida touchdown, yeah. uh, just different yeah. things like that. So, uh, I, I think that the mixture of coaching experience, like you touched on about the first-year coaches Kentucky will play, and the depth and the experience of the players, this could, and, and this might be blasphemous, this could very well be the best Kentucky team that we have had. I expect the offense to be more balanced with a healthy Terry Wilson. And the defense, low-key, was really good last year. You know, giving up with nope. you know, the small amount of touchdowns they did. I, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but statistically one of the best in the country. And I know we benefited by playing Georgia in a monsoon and whatnot, whatnot, but defense came ready to play every week. It was the offense that was kind of struggling until uh, Big Bone got comfortable and the offense took off. So, uh, again, seven and three I would be thrilled with. Uh, I, I don't think, you know, the, the people that are saying four and six, I don't understand that. And, you know, we, we as Kentucky fans have got to get out of this defeatist attitude uh, because these aren't the, the, the Wildcats that we've grown accustomed to seeing. Not that the, the mm-hmm. players are bad, the coaches were bad. I, I think we've had some quality players, some quality coaches. The wins just haven't been there. But this team is just different. And, and I hope we do get the 10 games. I'm not confident of that, but right. I, I do think uh, that if we do what we need to do as a society, that we can see some, some good football. Because, I, again, I want to see this Kentucky team play. You, I want to see Terry Wilson back out. I want to see the, the defense uh, uh, that is – I want to see the offensive line that, that national folks are – are raving about. Like, I want to see that. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah. I don't want to, people to, I, I know people see my tweets and all this kind of stuff. I am not rooting against them either. I want, because this <laughs> right. Kentucky team, honestly, um, in the SEC East, I know this is a wonky year, but outside of Georgia, like, who are you scared to play? You know, we yeah. and I, I don't I don't think you can count near misses. We're past the uh, moral victory stage, but honestly, mm-hmm. this isn't to, to 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 you know beat a dead horse. But Florida and Tennessee, these ain't these ain't. Ooh, wow, these aren't <laughs> these aren't the uh, volunteers and gainers of the nineties when when those games were. You know, Peyton Manning's putting half a hundred either. You know, this ain't yeah. Danny Werfel putting up whatever, whatever. This, this, that's not the same, right? So, uh, I, I just, I feel very confident in this team getting at least seven, most likely eight. Because here's the thing. If you go out and you play Georgia well, we all know, Georgia every year drops a game they couldn't they probably shouldn't lose. Right? They will 
uh, pooped a bit against South Carolina, uh, Missouri. Will, I mean, there's always a game in the SEC that Georgia will have way more talent and lose that ball game. That always happens. Even if you lose to Georgia, you can still reach the SEC championship because I think Georgia will crap the bed. I think it's entirely possible. So, mm-hmm. I, I, the, the fans here locally, the rival fans, say it's crazy to talk about Kentucky in the SEC championship game. I don't think it's that crazy because, again, the talent gap with Georgia is going to be there. But if you win the games you're supposed to win, and you put some game pressure on Georgia, you've got a different situation. So I think it's entirely possible. Now, you can't give away games against Florida, give away games against Tennessee to do it. But I feel confident in this team. So looking at the schedule, I am definitely feeling uh, 8-2 is my call, 7-3 being the the bottom. Yeah, and you you had – you know, Mark Stoops, which he's he's not one for the coach speak or saying friendly stuff. He just kind of says, you know, he's a straight shooter. And he said at his press conference yesterday, this is uh, feels this is the deepest team that he's had since he's been here. Uh, and you know, they continue to build and and get depth, and and that's a good thing. Uh, he and you know, we've covered him not full-time, but we covered him, heard him enough, listened to him enough to know that he wouldn't say that if he didn't think that was the case. You know, he's not just out there throwing stuff out, saying what sticks. Uh, So he's, you know, high on the depth that they have. A lot of, you know, we talk about how the perception of Kentucky, you know, had there been media days, they would have still been picked fifth or sixth, you know, behind Vanderbilt and you know, behind South Carolina and all that. It's starting to – it's very, very slow. But those that know kind of, you know, give them respect. You know, Chris Doring has been high on Kentucky for a while. Cole Kubelik is high on Kentucky. Um, I was listening to Cole and those guys yesterday, and I'm writing a little piece about it. It might be out tonight or tomorrow. But Cole, is, he's one of those, he's kind of like Herb Street. Even if he's talking about his alma mater, he's not going to sugarcoat it. If he feels like they're at a disadvantage or they're going to get beat, he was literally concerned about the matchup for Kentucky and Auburn. Now, he played offensive line for Auburn in the late 90s. He's about our age. But he was still, you know, listing this and this and this for Kentucky, and they had, you know, they're deep on the offensive line. Auburn loses a lot on their defensive line. He was going through the technical X's and O's aspect of how, you know, if I had to pick right now, he would pick Kentucky straight up over his Auburn Tigers. Um, Mike Griffith, he used to be here in Knoxville covering Tennessee. He's in Georgia now covering uh, the Dogs. And he talks about Georgia's schedule. Georgia opens up at Arkansas, and then Griffith says, and then the next four are really, really tough for Georgia, who is more of a second-half team as far as playing better in October November. 
Auburn, Tennessee, Alabama, and Kentucky. Kentucky gets included as part of Georgia's gauntlet from a Georgia media person who covers this. We've known Kentucky for years is to, you know, just show up and you can beat them. Now these media types are, you know, you put Kentucky in there and that's that's a tough game. That's a challenge. You know, um, Ole Miss has Florida, Kentucky, Alabama. It's not Florida, Cakewalk, Kentucky, and then Alabama. Kentucky has moved up now in perception to the media standpoint. Now, fans of other teams, you know, especially like Tennessee and, and Florida, teams that Kentucky still hasn't quite beaten enough yet, they still think the same old Kentucky. But it's slowly, slowly, TB, there's, you know, the media types and the analysts really see Kentucky for what they are becoming instead of what they have been for decades. The respect is coming. And, and again, like you said, the, the talking heads, the people that are just talking, oh, Kentucky's Kentucky. But the people that know, the people that, you know, break down the film, that look at things, they understand. This, this, this isn't the same Kentucky team that, that, that has been that, that, you, that you think about. Right, so um, yeah. like I said, I want this season to to go off. I want the season to to be. Uh, uh, I, I want it to happen. So we've got to do what we can. You know, I'm telling you, I am not feeling confident that we'll get a full ten games. Uh, North mm-hmm. Carolina today paused all athletic activity because of a COVID-19 mm-hmm. outbreak. Uh, they yeah. are sending students home. Notre Dame, the same. Uh, I just, again, I don't want to beat that dead horse, but we've, we've got to do better if we want football. And it's to that point where talking about it, I don't even know if, if being about it is going to be enough. So, uh, to not go down that road again. If Kentucky plays the schedule as it is right now, eight and two, seven and three. Are you guys doing post games for football two on six eighty this season? Uh, that's the plan. That's the okay. that's the plan. So we'll 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 see. Um, We'll see how that goes. And that's the thing is I want that – I love that opportunity to, to kind of put on my Kirk Herb Street hat and, and you know, and make my notes and, and watch the games and kind of talk about it. I want to do that. <laughs> like, I, you yeah. know, I enjoy that. I, I want to do that. So, uh, of course, I, I'm looking forward to a season. I'm just – you know, if we get there, we get there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that was – I thought you had said that, right? I was, so, yeah, definitely. That's even uh, another reason, in addition to just want football. But, yeah, uh, it would be cool if we get there safely and navigate through to be able to pop y'all on right after a football game. It was fun listening to y'all after every basketball game, you and Jason and Strebel Streeb and all those guys on 6 yeah. So be fun letting you do the – Getting you in there on the football post game side too. That's that's definitely uh, something to look forward to for sure. sure. 
Do they do free games too? Street Bull and them or? Uh, I, yeah. I think for football, there's a little bit of the pregame. Uh, there was, I, I forget how long it is, to be honest with you. But, yes, there's gonna, football does get the pregame treatment. Uh, okay. But I, I will be, be doing the, the post uh, the post-game announcement. As it, as ESPN, it were. ESPN 680. And Cluster, I remember, we, we had fun listening to TV last year. So, looking forward to a football and a basketball season from you this time. So, double the fun if people act right, like you said. So, um, that's the that's the thing between now and then. Uh, about a month and change away, five weeks from now, we'll see. If we can get there. Um, we got a guest. We do have a guest. I had mentioned that. Uh, friends of the show. Been on with us before. We got the Big Things Kentucky guys. They got the YouTube show. They have a lot of cool guests on. They've had our buddy Cameron Mills on. They have a lot of coaches and players, especially from the Lexington area. Look, they got their finger on the pulse of the high school sports. Uh it's, it's Coach Buford and Coach Trump, and they'll be calling in at 7. We had them on before. It's been a little while, um, but we talked high school sports. We talked NBA. We talked NFL. Those guys are all over it, loving sports just like us. Uh, huge personalities. I always keep you cracking up. Check them out on YouTube when they put out new episodes. If you haven't done so, we'll get all the information from them when they hop on about when they release new shows. Uh, we look forward to those guys calling me in at 7 o'clock. Now, uh, you want to go and jump in and, and get the therapy session now? You want to wait till the you know, big things guys come on and, and talk some NBA playoffs with them? Or you want to go ahead and bite that bullet? Right, right. Oh, uh, I, I, I've got no problem. I, I said on this very show last week, uh, that I was concerned about the, the Blazers, the way they were playing really, really well. Uh, I think that missing Rajon Rondo and Avery Bradley would what would hurt the Lakers. I still think the Lakers win the series, but as I said last week, my concern is this series goes six or seven games. And 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 LeBron's got to be super super duper human to 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 make that happen. Uh, the Blazers basically it was it was three point shooting. The Lakers shot very poorly. The Blazers shot very very well. Uh, very reminiscent of of some of the Kentucky teams that Cal has had. Small quick guards did you know did 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 my team in. Now luckily this is not a one and done situation, but um, I you know. I'm not going to tell you that I'm not concerned. It was very concerning. But do I think that Anthony Davis is going to go 8 for 24 again? I do not. You know, do I think that the that, uh, the Lakers won't figure this out? I I think they do. But it's still very much a concern. And it goes back to these, these pod situations, these fan situations. It, uh, it, it punishes. The top seed saw that yesterday with Milwaukee losing as well. You know, I, I know the Lakers are the sexy talking point here, but they weren't the only number one seed to lose yesterday. 
And uh, I'll give somebody $50 if they can off the top of their head name any of the two Magic starters. Okay, so, you know. Terrence Ross and Vujicic or Fournier. Does Fournier start? I don't know. Right. But there you go. There you go. That's what I'm saying. So at least the you know, my Lakers, we 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 knew Dame was a bad dude, right? We knew Dame Dame was a bad dude. He's been a bad dude. And here's the thing too: with the interruption of season, the Trailblazers get Nurkic back, right? That they had been missing. So this this team mm-hmm. really is not an eight seed. At full strength. So again, I think the Lakers will win. Uh, you know, I'm not gonna try to say that you know LeBron's not motivated. Whatever, whatever, whatever. Um, it was it was a bad loss. It's not the way I thought <laughs> the first appearance uh, in the playoffs since 2013. I mean, mm. wow, mm. I, I know, mm. I know. I did not think that was gonna go. Uh, someone pointed out uh, on Lakers Twitter, it's Dwight Howard's fault because in his one year with the Lakers, they got swept 0-4. <laughs> so the Lakers are 0-5 playing Dwight Howard. So <laughs> maybe maybe he's the guy. Uh, he's a problem. He was tripping last night. Yeah. He was, and, and he was mad was, at the world. Yeah. He, he had four fouls in relative short order. Uh, so a little – that was – Bizarre, uh, but hey, man, give it up to Winyan Gabriel. You know, we talked about Winyan uh, a little while ago on the show, and you know, he's one of those former Wildcats that you know he may not give you all the warm and fuzzies, and he may not ever come back to Lexington and be the Y. When he <laughs> left, you know, when he left, a lot of people were negative on Winyan Gabriel. And he was undrafted, and he went to the G League, and he is starting for a playoff team and and was holding his own for a while. I, I, one of the highlights of last night, and there weren't many of the Lakers fans, was Whitney was mic'd up. You know, when he got hit in the nose, his nose started bleeding. Whitney Gabriel is mic'd up. So, uh, you know, uh, support that guy. Uh, I'm glad to see that Winion was matched up against AD for a stretch. You know, uh, when you got as many former Wildcats uh, playing in the NBA, you're going to see that often. So I thought that was I thought that was great. But you know, me personally, again, I think the Lakers will be fine. But it's going to take a lot more effort to get out of the first round than you know than you would than you would think. Yeah, and. Winion last night, you know, and it was cool seeing Melo give him a little pep talk, you know, just go out there and play hard, whatever minutes you get, just, just you know, leave it all out there, that uh, little pumping him up before he got out there, that was cool. And compared last night to, was let's see, that, yeah, Saturday when they were in the playing game against Memphis, and he came in off the bench, and he was just a day late and a dollar short to everything. You know, he was open for a pass, and it was, you know, fumbling out of bounds off his hands. He was, 
you know, getting scored on, just just like you just couldn't quite get up to speed. And then to see him last night starting right out of the gate, and you know he was he was doing his thing. He was hustling. He was like you said, he was scrapping with AD, you know, giving up some some lbs and some strength, but was holding his own and, and gave them some good minutes. Now you mentioned Nurt. And, you know, he made a difference for Portland. He had been out with that leg injury for a long time, and they're not an eight seed. But when he had a double-double on them in the first quarter, I mean, were you heated about that? Isn't that a little unacceptable? I mean, a double-double in the first quarter. Yeah. And that was the thing. The Lakers looked a little disjointed. And... um, I think that it was clear early on that LeBron was going to have to initiate all the offense. And that's probably, that's not a recipe for success. Is 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 Because is, he could do it and he did it well. But uh, I, I don't think that works uh, as well as having and, and and it goes back to Rondo and Avery Bradley not being there. Now, Rondo is in the bubble. He's going to come back from his thumb injury. Uh, I like Rondo right now for his offense, uh, for running running the offense, and he missed Bradley on the defense. Uh, I, it's just it was under, the, the first quarter, the Lakers were playing catch-up from the jump. That's the frustrating part is uh, I kept waiting for them to kind of turn it on. And the, the problem with Dave Miller being as hot as he is, you know, even when the Lakers went up by four or five points, you're like, this game's not over. You know, game is at another level right now. And, and so uh, – even when the Lakers got up in the fourth, I was never really confident in that. They just they look disjointed. They have looked disjointed since they got into the bubble. And and honestly, on the on the eastern side, so has Milwaukee. You know, with Giannis mm-hmm. getting thrown out for the headbutt, uh, yeah. the the stop the stop in the season really hurt the two top seeds. And I and I, I would have uh, I, I meant to say this beforehand. It really did. It, it kneecapped the season because with this long break, it's like another off season. It's the same length as your general off season is. So you've got teams, and, and again, I'm not trying to downplay the Lakers and all this kind of stuff. Portland had to hit the ground running just to get into the playoffs. Like they had mm-hmm. to come out and, and compete. So, yes, their motivation is a little bit different when you look at the Lakers, when you look at the Clippers, when you look at the Bucks, those other teams whose positions were pretty much set. Again, not saying they were coasting, but they did not play with the same urgency as the Blazers. So, right now, what Frank Vogel's got to do is get the Lakers playing with that sense of urgency that has not been there. You know, I think we've tweeted and we've talked on here. Uh, I was never a racing 
the Lakers struggles and oh, they, you know they're just going through the motions. You know they got to hit the ground running, and they and they did. So what we saw last night from the Blazers and from the Lakers is what we've kind of seen the last week or so in the public. One team's playing really really well, one team is not. You know, so I, I, I feel confident that the Lakers will turn around. I don't think they'll shoot that poorly again. Uh, hopefully Dwight Howard's not as, as ridiculous <laughs> as he was last night and could give the give the Lakers some valuable minutes. But, you know, the, the pressure's on. Uh, is your concern is the same as it was last week before game one? Is it a little bit higher or is it lower? Are you, you know, you already said you think the Lakers are going to win the series, but are you – I get, obviously you can't you can't be surprised by what happened because you you know you followed the Lakers enough to know that this was possible. Is your concern any higher, or is it still the exact same level? It's the, it's the exact same. It's you know it's what I said last last week, and uh, uh, when you when you asked uh, you know people overlooking the Blazers, I wasn't. But again, my concern was how much would the Lakers have to work to get out of the first round. That, that's always, you know, that's always the thing. Uh, you know, translating that to the NCAA tournament is, you know, if you're a top one, two, three seed and you've got to expend a lot of energy over that first game, you know, you want that game to be over quick, right? And, and again, in the uh, NBA, you want, if you're a one seed or a two seed, you got to get that sweep or get that five games and be done to get a little bit of rest. So the Lakers have made the job a lot harder, but I still think that they will, they will, uh, uh, they'll win. Because even though last night, I don't think that the Blazers can shoot as well as they did from three. And I don't think the, the Lakers can shoot that poorly. And I also think that LeBron's still got another gear that he's got to get into. You know, he said that he wasn't quite in playoff mental, whatever, whatever. Well, you got to get there now. Like you, you got to. Yeah. All these LeBronisms are cute, but zero and one in the series, like yeah, you got to whatever it takes. You got to get there. So, uh, that's that's my thought. I'm not I'm not worried now. If it goes zero two, okay. But I, I right now I'm not I'm not too worried. Hmm. And in other news, let's see, we have we had Utah bounce back and beat Denver today, one twenty four to one oh five, so that's one apiece. Uh you know, Mitchell had fifty seven in the loss. Murray just took over uh to help Denver get up one oh uh in in the first game down the stretch, you know, all the points he got and then all the assists he got, he was responsible for pretty much everything production-wise that Denver got in the end down the stretch. Uh, the Jazz bounced back today and even that up uh, one apiece. And then we had Toronto doing what defending champs do when you, you know, in the opening round, what, you know, make quick work so far of Brooklyn, beat them to death in the first round, 30 uh, different points in the game. 
They won today. It was a little bit closer. They win 104-99 over Brooklyn, so it's 2-0. And then you got the Sixers and Celtics uh, tipping off, looks like about 15 minutes or so ago. And uh, Gordon Hayward can't catch a break. He can't win for losing out for two of the very earliest the conference finals with a, a ankle. He's uh, had the horrific leg injury. Gets back, is playing well, and then uh, lands awkwardly on the foot and is going to be out for uh, a good bit. Or even if the Celtics last that long, he'll be out for quite a while. So that is everything right now as far as NBA is concerned. Yeah. And the Philadelphia is down 1 0, trying to even that up in game two. Yeah. I, I just. Uh... You know, these. I'm, now I I love the NBA in the middle of the day. Now let me just say, <laughs> it, it won't happen because of revenue and all that kind of stuff, TV money and all that kind of stuff. But the NBA during the day is fantastic. And like you and I said last night, it's great when you're a fan of the West Coast. You and I have talked for years and years about how brutal it is to try to watch your team in the playoffs when every tip-off is 10 o'clock Eastern. And, <laughs> and that, that's brutal. So the 9 o'clock tip is a little bit better uh, for me. So, But having the game like an NCAA tournament is great, man. I'm loving it. You know, you get you some lunch and you start watching NBA basketball. I think that's, I think that's great. You know, the, the games kind of feel like the first round. Uh, of the tournament. Uh, the crowd's really not that into it. The players are playing hard. So I, I like that aspect of it. Uh, but we'll, we'll we'll see. Like I said, I, I, your Rockets look great uh, the other night. Uh, my Lakers haven't. Uh, but, you know, there's still a bunch of uh, a bunch of basketball left to be played. Yeah. It, it definitely is. So, uh it's a whole lot of different, but it is playoffs in August in one location, <laughs> neutral courts. Just slap the home team's logo on the court, and there you go. Well, last night the Lakers had it on theirs. Uh, Houston, yeah, just that's it. That's as much home court as you get is your logo on the court uh, in the bubble. That's about all it's going to be. Um, speaking of Toronto, though, flashing back, the, the Masai Ujiri video where the officer is confronting him and keeping him from getting access that he had a credential for and then saying that he was the one attacked, ridiculous. It came out today, and... The Bay Area police were, I mean, basically just, you know, trying to say, trying to back their guy when the video plainly states that he was the one that, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to push Masai anyway, even though he's got a credential and he's got every right to be where he's trying to go. Insane. Look, uh, I, again, I don't want to go down the rabbit hole on this. Uh, the people that follow me on Twitter know where I stand on these kinds of things. 
Number one, I support police. <laughs> My father and brother, uh, police officers, obviously. Uh, but the second point would be we, we've got to stop believing the police just from the jump. This situation with Masai and the, and the Raptors, I remember it being a big kerfluffle when it happened. The officer laid out how he was assaulted, and the sheriff's department fought for charges, and it got drug out. Matter of fact, the officer, the sheriff's deputy, sued for emotional distress. And his department backed And now with clear and unequivocal video evidence, we see that the deputy's uh, description of the event were false. And I don't know how it is where you're from, and when you, uh, but when you say something that's false, where I'm from, that's called a lie. So not only do you have the officer who lies and the department who had access to this tape from the jump, let's keep in mind, this was not a new revelation. They reviewed the footage and still insisted on charges to be filed. So there's a lot to digest with this situation. And that's part of the reason we see people in the street when it comes to policing. But hopefully, hopefully this situation can move into a, a, a get to a better place, for lack of a better word. But, you know, again, I could probably go a full two hours on that. I won't, but, you know, this is kind of par for the course what we see with a lot of these police-citizen interactions. And just to close that real quick, Brian Windhorst, who you know, covered the Heat forever, been covering the league forever, was on the jump with uh, Rachel Nichols and your boy, Paul Pierce. And he said that he was, of course, there in Oracle at the game, wasn't in the exact spot where the, the kerfuffle, as you put it, took place. But he did not have the proper credential that Messiah had. And Brian said he walked right on the court without a problem. And, you know, he was talking about how messed up that was. But, you know, just to <laughs> take it a step further, he walks right on the court when he doesn't have access. And Messiah did have access. So there that is, just real quick. Um. This, look, whenever the playoffs start, I always watch baseball a little bit less. I don't keep an eye on it as much as before the playoffs start. We'll be keeping up with the Braves and, you know, watching how many games the Reds don't play because they had COVID and the Marlins don't play and now the Cardinals were having it and all that. But I missed a little bit of the whole – Fernando Tatis Jr., son of a major leaguer, playing for the Padres, who were playing against the Texas Rangers. Tatis is that bat. Padres are winning 10-3. to Bases are loaded. 
on a three O count. And look, we talked about this whole baseball not having personality. Oh, don't get so mad when somebody flips a bat. Oh, if a pitcher pumps his fist when he strikes out somebody. Oh, calm down. Three O. Nowhere to put him. Bases loaded. Tatis swings, hits the opposite field home run, grand slam. Now Padres are up 14-3. Chris Woodward, manager of the Texas Rangers, is talking about, I don't like that. He shouldn't have done it. We didn't get some unwritten rules. Seven-run lead after the seventh inning. He shouldn't have done it. And it was to the point where Tatis and the Padres were talking about he missed a sign. And, like, the manager said that. Like, he should have, you know, took the pitch. They almost were like apologizing for a minute, which to me they don't have anything to apologize for. Uh, you, you, the pitch wasn't exactly down the middle, but even if it was, you still got hit it. Uh, he hit it opposite field. It was it was a strike, and he you know he went opposite field with it, grand slam. 14-3, to three, you're getting beat down. Now you're just getting beat down a little bit more. But Woodward was all in his feelings about it. Um, the next game, I think Manny Machado gets hit. And so that pitcher and Woodward are suspended. Uh, but, it, you know, you got Aaron Boone for the Yankees, who managed the Evil Empire Yankees, who also is from a baseball family. And he was basically saying that, some of this stuff is really silly, and it's kind of outdated, and it it is, it is. I mean, don't you know if you want him hitting a home run, throw a better pitch. If you don't want a team scoring in the fourth quarter when it's fifty-five to three, stop them. If you don't want you know somebody dominating your your team in the block, you know, double team, do something. You know. <laughs> But this is just another case of baseball. Baseball kind of is the worst at that. It happens in other sports. They're flying and they're carrying on, but I think baseball is worse. Base, yeah, so uh, a lot to unpack with this. Number one, baseball has the dumbest unwritten rules of any sport. Because if you extrapolate this on out, now let's say, all right, that uh, Tatis comes at the bat. His team is down seven runs. He hits a weak grounder to short, and he doesn't leg it out. Right? <laughs> Let's say he just uh, kind of jogs to first base. Then he's being ripped, even though the game is over, right? So baseball, and I, I, I get on my soapbox a lot when it comes to this, there's a reason that baseball used to be America's pastime. There's a reason that baseball used to be the number one sport in America. Used to be. While other leagues are trying to be innovative, trying to look forward, trying to change with the times a little bit, baseball still gets wrapped up in back when they played with the wool uniforms and all this kind of stuff. All of baseball's re- old unwritten rules are from before World War II. The world has changed. It just has. Baseball needs to be with it. Look, 
if you yeah. hit a ball as big as your fist that's moving towards you at 90-plus miles an hour and is spinning and moving in three dimensions and you take a stick or a piece of wood and you hit that ball 400 feet, you should celebrate. You should absolutely celebrate. Yeah. So this notion of you can't do this when it's a seven-run lead, why seven? Why not six? Why not eight? What What is the sanctity that you're looking for, right? To quote Herm Edwards, you play to win the game, right? Mm-hmm. Now, I, some things like that I understand. If you're, you know, playing basketball and, you know, Kentucky is playing, you know, let's say transit, yeah, you don't press when you're up 50 points, okay? Mm-hmm. I get that. But baseball is so difficult, his chances of hitting a grand slam in that situation, it was equally, uh, the odds were equal that he was going to strike out, that he was going to pop out. You swing. I, I, I don't understand baseball in this. Look, if you don't want to play, all this kind of care about everybody's feelings, that, that's peewee league. Right, these are professional players. Right? You keep playing to the very end because you don't know. We have all seen teams, although it's rare, we have seen teams come back from seven one deficits in the seventh mm-hmm. eight inning. We have yeah. seen it. We have seen comebacks, however unlikely, they start when you stop playing. Kentucky fans. The 30-point comeback against LSU. LSU just stopped playing their game, right? If they if they had kept their foot on the gas, Kentucky doesn't win. So you've got to play to the very end. I get people to get frustrated with Coach Cal that he kind of leads his guys in a little too long, uh, a lot of people think. And sometimes I lean that way, but all it takes, is a 6-0, 8-0 run, and now you've got a game on your head, right? Now you've, now you've got to, you know, bring your stars back in. So I understand that kind of mindset. You've got to, you've got to play. And the way baseball is set up, you can't, you can't take your foot off the gas in baseball, right? So it's a bunch, it's a bunch of unwritten rules, a bunch of hooey for lack of a better word, that I, you know, and, and, and all these things, they, they come up and people, uh, uh, these old timers, what it used to be, look, look, I, I said it in a tweet, I'll say it right here. All these rules, they're pre-World War II, they're pre-Jackie Robinson rules. You know, yep. <laughs> all these unwritten rules go back to a time when baseball wasn't for everybody. That's all I'm going to say about that. So I'm not impressed by these rules, these unwritten gentlemanly rules. Sports are supposed to be fun. We talked about the flair and spice and little culture coming to the game before, and and some have a problem with that, you know, a lot of bat flips and 
emotion if you strike out the side when it's a jam and you're a reliever, uh, you, you pump your fist and the other team gets mad. The whole that whole thing. Uh, we'll and, pop on and, and and get our guests on too. Get them in here because they are on the line right now, talking about Coach Buford, Coach Tripp. They host Big Things Kentucky on YouTube, a weekly series. All the big things that's happening in and around our state of Kentucky. Get these guys on here right now. <laughs> Friends of the show been on with us before. What's up, fellas? How y'all doing? Man, what's going on? This Coach Truck, man. Uh, Coach Buell, we out here. He got a football practice going on right now. He's going to join as soon as he can. They're trying to get the youth stuff going, man, because, you know, that COVID shut it down here in Lexington. So they trying to, you know, get the kids a way to play. Yeah. Yeah, we glad to have you, man. Uh, and hopefully, Coach um, Coach Buke can hop on too because we definitely enjoy having y'all, man. But yeah, um, you know, TV and I was just talking about you know the silly baseball rules, and the Rangers manager was mad because you know Tatis hit a home run when they was already getting beat. But uh, uh, we've been talking about all the stuff. We're getting some sports back. Y'all are all about the high school sports and the youth sports, so how's it looking? Is it is it gonna be able to happen? You think it's gonna be able to to get the season off the ground when when practices go? Well, man, uh, real well for real. Well, KHSAA, the high school governing body, they're going to meet tomorrow, and uh, that's going they're gonna finalize you know what they're gonna do. So we'll know tomorrow, you know, if they make any changes, if they stay the course, if they cancel it, that's what we're going to know. You know, that'll be the final verdict as far as that goes. I know middle school is trying to go. <clears throat> We've heard rumblings that they try, they might cancel that. The youth leagues, man, like like the Lesson and Youth youth League, is they, they said no, they're not going to do it. So, you know, we had a lot of kids. You know, just kind of they just putting together little traveling squads and trying to hit some tournaments as far as that goes. So all the state high school coaches, you know, if you follow them on Twitter and everything, they all posting about, you know, uh, what everybody else is doing and let them play and all that. Man, it's going to be interesting, especially the way college is gone. Yeah, yeah. So how you been doing, man? Since you know everything got shut down, and you know what's what y'all been doing to stay safe and pass the time? Man, I ain't gonna lie. When it first hit, I was at uh, the girls' sweet sixteen, and everything was going normal. And literally, in like the span of the time it takes to play a girls' high school basketball game, we went from they're going to allow just just fans, you know, they were going to limit the crowd size. They did something else, and next thing you know, they was like, it's over, go home. And at that point, I hey, I was kind of burnt out, for real, because it seemed like that last year, all the sports were running together. It was kind of like breaks in between, but at the same time, they had wrestling, basketball was going on, baseball was getting ready to start. So I, I took a break, man, and started playing PlayStation again. Hey, my Madden game's tight, too. I just don't play with the Cowboys or the 49ers. Who do you play with? Anybody but them. I just, the Cowboys, oh, they, oh. He, just, he, he always fumbling for me. I don't know what it is, man. Uh, 
And then Garoppolo, you throw too many picks for me, man. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's, yeah, that's just Jimmy G being Jimmy G, right, Jay? That's, you know. Yeah, but I'm mostly a Chiefs fan, though. You know, I ride with my Chiefs. <laughs> Since, since let's say now, you, you was a Chiefs fan, the minute they took the lead on the 49ers, that's when you jumped on the wagon, right? No, man, I've been riding with the Chiefs from day one. I'm a day one fan, man. Y'all make it sound like I'm just a, a bandwagon fan, like I just jump on a winning team or something, man. Nah, uh, so you, you, you know, Portland looking good, though, ain't they? Ain't we looking good? <laughs> we looking real good, boy, Dave. I was like, you see what he did last night, didn't you? <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, they, yeah, t- Terry had to had to lick his wounds after that, but uh, I, I didn't think you went back to Christian Okoye and the Chiefs. I, so I had a feeling that you wasn't you wasn't riding with them back then. Yeah, I know Christian Okoye and uh, 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 Jerry Thomas. You know what I'm saying? Come on, man. Neil, uh, uh, Neil, what was his last? What was it? Neil Ar- not Armstrong. Neil and what was the defensive end name? Neil Smith. Neil Smith, Mister Breathe Right. Breathe right. Yeah. Breathe right. Yeah. <laughs> See, man, I was going deep with them teeth, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, we see, because that's why I can't wait uh have Coach Buford on here, because he's always, he always calling you out, and y'all always going back and forth, and that's what makes y'all show so hilarious. Yeah, y'all hit on the sports, and y'all put y'all's personality into it. Um for those who don't know, tell them about Big Things Kentucky on YouTube, how y'all kind of got it started and, and the big things y'all do each week. Well, we started Big Things, man. Me and him both, we've been coaching youth league and middle school for a while now. And uh, and uh, we just, you know, wanted to give our kids, we felt like the Lexington kids, a lot of kids that we had coached and invested in, just hadn't, uh, you know, didn't get any shine. So, Man, I learned the course and put together this YouTube show, and we uh, put our show out, and it kind of stuck, man. People started vibing to us and liking us, and next thing we know, we had a little brand, man. So big things to take it. As always, Coach Truck, we win and we riding, baby. Yeah, y'all have a lot of coaches on there. Y'all have you know, former players on there. Y'all have you know high schoolers that are, you know, Fixing to be in a position to pick a school, pick a college, you know, from the area. Yeah. Y'all, y'all got a lot of different guests on. You know, had former Wildcat Cameron Mills on there. Uh, a lot of big yeah, guests. Yeah, that was a great show too. Each of those seasons. So yeah, y'all are definitely doing big things for real. Um, so you, uh, Portland, gonna win the whole thing, right? I don't know, man. I kind of like Clippers, too. So, we got to see. We got to see. But I ain't counting LeBron out just yet. You know, my Lakers has always been tough, you know. But uh, them Trailblazers looking real good. They've been calling me. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, exactly, man. Here you go now. Here you go, Coach Dew now. Coach Dew, man, I was just telling him how I've been rolling with the Chiefs and Portland looking real good, Coach. And they get, Portland can have them. What's going on, fellas? 
He ain't a true Laker fan. They can have him in Portland. He's bad luck anyway. Team, you're going to lose. <laughs> what are you doing, Coach? How you doing, man? Now, y'all got to play. Y'all doing all right? Hey, we, we came to play, man. We've been, been doing our thing here every week and uh, hadn't had y'all on in a while. It, it, you know, enjoyed it the first time. I was like, get y'all on again and, and chop it up with hey, y'all. Hey, I just said, do y'all thing, y'all. y'all. Hey, we feel honored to be on. Y'all have big time guests. Y'all, y'all bring little old us on there. We feel pretty, pretty privileged. <laughs> oh man, we we just take it week by week, man. You know, and, and we, shoot, me and TV, man, we just fortunate to to have some people we've had on, and you know, to, to actually say yes to people like us, little old us, to take their time and, and hop on. You know. <laughs> You know, a damn uh, yes, bad uh, people like that. Hey, we we just honored to be able to to chat with them. Yes, sir. Absolutely, absolutely. So, man, uh, what y'all got? You know, we we talked about you know Coach Truck already acting up like he does. He said he's not a bandwagon person, but we we know how he does. We know how y'all go back and forth on the show. So, what uh, what are some of the big things y'all got in store? Um, for future episodes, if if there's a season, if high school goes along, if college goes along, what's some of the things y'all got planned uh, for the near future? Uh, man, the biggest thing is right now, we just want high school football to get rolling. You know, we all planning for that. Uh, the good thing about this whole pandemic thing, well, man, if you find some bright spots in it, is that we're able to do – Coach Truck has finally jumped into the 21st century doing Zoom interviews now. You know, Coach Truck, you said he still got a rotary phone at home, so uh, we we finally get into the twenty first century. He's got a uh, the dial up internet. He's now got wireless, so he's doing good now. But uh, we do a lot of Zoom interviews. Get to talk coaches. We normally wouldn't get coaches on next week. We try to get around, try to expand our, our expand our territory far with the coaches we get to talk to and the kids we get to talk to. So, I mean, we're looking really looking forward to this, man. But the Zoom is allowing us to be look, look be getting different markets and stuff. Yeah, yeah, and like uh, Coach Coach Truck already talked about, you know, KHSAA uh, is having a meeting tomorrow. But as of now, didn't they they changed it where you couldn't schedule teams from other states? When didn't you guys have to play an all Kentucky schedule for high school right now? Yeah, it's, it's, they board on that state. Yeah, they they're not playing them. Yeah, so. I think but the good thing about that I'm loving is you're seeing matchups in the in the city of Louisville that you normally wouldn't see. So you 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 seeing some of the bigger name schools, as far as like four A playing up playing against the bigger schools of six A. So you're getting to see some good teams, uh, good games from local teams. You're getting to see uh, Frederick Douglass play stay next to the end of the year. We normally wouldn't get that game. This was a scrimmage, but that's gonna be a huge game going into the playoffs. So I mean, with games like that, we definitely marking our calendar looking forward to those games. And like I say, I think all the districts are very competitive, so this could be interesting how these districts pan out. You know, TV's from Louisville, y'all from there in Lexington. St. X is a name that, you know, you can be from Louisville and you know about them. You can be from Eastern Kentucky and you've heard about them. You know, they're known throughout the state. But has has it surprised y'all to see Frederick Douglass just jump up in there and be so good so fast? You know, they got a lot of guys with U.K. offers and – 
It's a ton of talent. Did y'all see that coming, or was it are they trying to surprise everybody? Man, you know my Broncos. I see that coming from day one. You know what I'm saying? Because my whole thing was with with Douglas. It's kind of like the the crown jewel of Lexington, what I call it, because it's really kind of consolidated some of the more talented kids, as you've seen, and the culture, and it's got a big backing from the you know administration and the principal there, which a lot of the schools are fighting with. You know, and I think it's also changing the culture in Lexington. Period. Because you're starting to see kids from across the city starting to get, you know, more offers. Like we've had Xavier Brown just recently got an offer from Maryland. And, you know, and then the kids from around the, the surrounding areas, like Azariah Israel, he got an offer. He's getting D1 offers of running back. So I think they're causing everybody else to pick their game up. So it's going to be interesting. Now it's just a matter of when is the streak. Going to end because ain't nobody touching us in the city. I'm telling y'all right now, ain't nobody touching us. We beat Lexington Catholic. We rolling, baby. <laughs> so, where will they play St. X at? Is that at Douglas or is that at St. X? Yeah, Douglas. What? Yeah, it's at Douglas. Yes, sir. Yeah, this will be a big game for the city uh, to see. And to me, and also see what First Douglas is. Yes, they have rolled through the city, uh, but a lot of teams have been young. So we're, we're you're, you're hoping that that that, that parity will come to play eventually. You're hoping people, people when I'll just block the First Douglas and go to other schools because it's good coaches all through the city. So, but uh, and a lot of that talent they had had problems got recruited no matter where they went to. That's just how good some of that talent they had is on their team. That's just how good some of that talent is. What do y'all think about the, the SEC in 10 games only? How do you think that's going to shake out? Man, that's what we want to talk to y'all about because, you know, that's y'all wheelhouse to catch. Uh, I know they're starting practice, man, and, you know, this is like their best team probably that uh, Stoops is going to have. But up to date, uh, it's going to be interesting now. You know, I thought the SEC schedule was a little friendly before this. Now they, they picked up some dogs now, so we're going to see. We talked about at the start of the show, uh, you know, TV and I both like the horses they have. We like how they'll be able to match up with everybody. But TV had them 8-2, and two, I had them 7-3. Uh, eight and two. that's with a straight SEC schedule. Yeah, TV, TV had them 8-2. 8-2? I'm, I'm, I'm bullish on, on the Cats. Simply because it, it, if you're going to make that leap, as you guys know, if you're going to go from point A to point uh, B, you got to put that work in. And if you're not going to do it now with as good as a team as Kentucky has, those road games aren't going to be real road games because of, you know, there's not going to be as many fans in the stands. If you're not going to make that leap now, then when are you going to make that jump? When are you going to make that 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 step up and be one of the big boys? That's true, but TB, I'm gonna tell you this: I'll be on drug test down there. You be in trouble with that eight two. But I will <laughs> say this: they they are, uh, but they are uh, they are. Uh, I ain't lie. To me, you can't be mad at that schedule. Said right here, that schedule will be. It, it, it's the schedule. If they go. 
they're going six and four, I'd be happy. Because, you know, you got Alabama, you got – and the third thing is they got to find a, a short quarterback. I know Terry's going to be doing his thing, but it's, they loaded behind Terry. So, it's going to be interesting how he plays that. But it's going to be – like I said, this is going to be the year either he can make a leap or he stays mediocre. So, he's got to – hopefully he can, he can make that leap. And, and the two guys – Go ahead, Susan. I say – and, and this, is, this is my point. I think – it's relatively the brother, the brother. Easy from the seller to the mid to the mid floor, right? That's a you know you, you you bring some guys in, you bring some coaches in. It's difficult to go from the middle level to to be elite, to be one of the top teams. That's the jump yeah. that's the hardest, right? Because you've got to beat all the teams you're supposed to beat, and then now you've got to start beating some teams that maybe are better than. Right, so you've got the to Georgia. trip up a Georgia. You've got to trip up the LSU. Beating the teams you're supposed to beat, I'm saying it's relatively easy. But now you've got to beat some teams you probably shouldn't beat. That's how you become a good, uh, the great program. Tennessee, and, and you talking about like feel, the Tennessee? Yeah, yeah. And and against Florida and against Tennessee, a lot of these games. Yeah, them two they need to get. Yeah. Yeah, they've been close, and you've got to get over that hump. You've got to get over that hump against Florida and Tennessee if you want to get where you want to go. And that's where I'm coming from. The people uh, that should be mad. I understand what you're saying, but uh, ooh, eight and two, that's kind of, that's, you're talking about me being a homer. Oh, I'm a homer. Oh, I'm straight up a homer. I, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> The people that should be mad, uh, and look, if SEC is 10 games, what you get is what you get. But uh, Missouri has a first-year coach, Eli Dream, who came from Appalachian State. Arkansas has a first-year coach, Sam Pittman. He was Georgia's offensive line coach. Missouri had, you know, their eight games, SEC games, and then they had – from the West, <laughs> Alabama and LSU added onto the eight they already had. And that's, you know, mm. good luck with that first year coach. The Arkansas yeah, yeah. coach, the Arkansas coach got Georgia and Florida from the East added to his eight that he already had. So, look, they the rookie coaches, so they just got to deal with it, you know. But I think the SEC was like, yeah, okay, just, you know, throw them the two toughest teams from each division. And you know, tough cookie. Yeah, man, hey, you ain't kidding. Was, that SEC, man, you, hey, you, hey, that you got to put on your big boy draws when you go coaching over there, man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> sure do, sure do. Yeah, this one. And I mean, the one thing sure though, this. I do, I do want to say though is I've enjoyed. We've watched Stoops grow. You know what I'm saying? We've seen him mature essentially as a coach. And the program has grown with him. Like, you know, when he first came in, he was a little bit overmatched. But now he's starting to find his place. And I think that's been fun to watch the chat, like you say, you know, kind of elevate themselves in the division. And, yep. and as we've said on this show, I would much prefer that slow progression because you see the, the recruits that he's brought in, the coaches that he's brought in, and that steady improvement. Because if you improve too fast, 
like Ole Miss, if you go from two wins to ten wins, the, S- the NCAA <laughs> investigators will show up on your campus and they will find stuff. So, <laughs> so I feel confident that, that the work that he's put in, hopefully this is the season, knock on wood that we have a season, but this is the season where all that can pay off. Absolutely. And yeah. Mark Stoops has beaten – he's beaten everybody in the SEC East except Georgia. He's beaten Florida. He's beaten Tennessee. He's beaten Missouri. He's beaten South Carolina. He's beaten Vanderbilt. You know, he's beaten – Georgia is still that hurdle, but he has beaten, beaten South Carolina, of course. So uh, still trying to close that gap and get Georgia – but we've seen him beat everybody else in the East since he's been here, you know. So that's that steps in the right direction. And, you know, we, we <laughs> there was a lot of years we couldn't say that for a long time. Yeah. Now, the thing that gets me, though, is, you know, up in last year, BBN, they wanted his head. You know what I'm saying? There's some people, they they felt like he wasn't doing enough, man. What is What is up with that? You know, you, you start out people, yeah. <laughs> people start out. I'll be happy at six and six and just going to a bowl game, and then you do that for a couple of years, and well, you know, this seven and five that ain't enough. It should have won nine, uh, and so it just it just gradually the the target moves. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But I sometimes I feel like, man, BBN be kind of unrealistic, man. This, some of them don't even like that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. yeah I, 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 I just don't think the fan base is as knowledgeable about football as they think they are about basketball. And I say that as a member of the BBN, football is, is an arduous process. And that, that's what I was saying previously. You have to take your time if you want to do it right. You know, you yeah. can't go from ten, from two wins to eight wins. That's not how it works. You've got to lay that foundation. You know, you've got to get to a point where you can beat Vanderbilt every year, where you can beat South Carolina, where you can beat Missouri, okay? Now you're better than those teams. At that point, you can turn toward the Floridas and the Georgias and Tennessees and make that leap. That's what you have to be able to do. And I think people just, you know, they, they want it, they want it now, but that's just not how things operate, unfortunately. That's it. That's it. Well, y'all got anybody yeah. special on the show? Y'all, y'all doing the show tomorrow? Y'all coming up with a, is an episode coming out tomorrow? Big thing. We got, we got uh, Coach uh, John Smith from uh, Case Creek High School. You know, Case Creek went to the state championships last year and, and lost to uh, – off to uh, Mayo. Yeah, they made it deep in the playoffs. Yeah, that's that is game away from the championship. Uh, lost to Mel in Louisville. So, good to have Coach John Smith on the mind. Talk about his program. You know, he lost over 20 some odd seniors he did. So, he's got a fairly young team. I think he only got six seniors this year. So, he's got a fairly young team. Uh, and, like I said, uh, that's what we got going on tomorrow. So, it should be a good show. He's got a lot of information. He, he spoke about being a teacher and how it's affected him being a teacher and stuff. His views on whether or not we sh- we should be playing football, and that we should be in the classroom, you know, right now. So, 
and and his thinking, his reason behind that was a lot of these kids don't have the help at home, probably, or, 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 the, or the tools, since they don't want kids to get too far behind, pretty much, where the boys dance to. All right. And where can everybody find y'all on all the platforms? Uh, We're on, we on all our pl- platforms. We got Big Things Kentucky on YouTube. We at KY Big Things on Twitter. Big Things KY on IG. And we got a Facebook group. Just look up Big Things Kentucky. You can join our group, like our page, subscribe to our show. You know what I'm saying? We got T-shirts, swag. We got to get y'all some shirts, too, man. Let us know your size and everything. Ooh. Get y'all something. Yeah. You know, everybody got to be, because we're doing big things here in Kentucky, baby. I'll take that extra large. Put me down for an extra large. And uh, y'all's yes, Facebook sir. page, the Facebook page, y'all definitely check that out, because, you know, we've liked it, and, you know, y'all allow me to post the links from our show in there for people that follow y'all. They can see what we've done on the show. So I appreciate that. And, uh, cause y'all don't have to do that, but y'all do. So appreciate it. Never oh, told man, you appreciate hey, it, but I do. Hey, right, the thing, the thing about it is we got to support one another, like share each other's things. So you, you, you never got a problem posting our page. You always welcome over it, man. Cause like I said, we appreciate the love and, and support y'all show us. And I think you'd be big fans of you all show as well. Absolutely. Even though some of y'all, you know, we got to work on this cowboy fandom, though, man. You a cowboy fan well, sometimes, sometimes, but I ain't feeling this right now, man. So I want to ask you this, though. <laughs> What's up with the Dak thing? You feeling what Jerry did with Dak? You think he did the right thing, or would you have gave him the house? I I would have went ahead and and locked him up. You know, got the long term mm-hmm. contract. I wouldn't franchise him because look, we. Look at the quarterbacks that, and I'm not saying I'm not saying Dak is Patrick Mahomes. He is not. I'm not even trying to say that. But look at the guys that's the same age, came in at the same time. Carson Wentz hasn't been able to stay healthy. Was hurt when they won the Super Bowl. Philly has locked him up. I like what Dak has done for Dallas better than what Carson Wentz has done for the Eagles. You look at Jared Goff. You know, he got to Super Bowl. He got paid. Last year, he was not that good. You saw a drop off in his play. Both of those guys, same age as Dak, both of them have gotten locked up to, you know, mega deals. So I'll say based on that, Dak should have got something in that same neighborhood as those guys. So I I, I don't think they should have franchised him. Uh, I think that this is just drug on for way too long, and it should have already been old news already. You know, Dak already had that contract. So you convinced you convinced on Dak is Dak your man, or are you still kind of like yeah? In Dak we trust, baby. I like Dak. I'm I'm fine with it. I'm fine with Dak. I'm fine. And you, he got with it. he got he got pieces around him. You got you got Cooper. You see what what the offense looks like when he's there. You got the rookie CD Lamb into that mix now. You you got young tight ends who are ready to step up now that Jason Witten is gone. Um, uh, Michael Gallup is very capable. So, yeah, I'm good with Dak. You know, I, Tony Romo never got franchised, and I, I could never get 100% comfortable with him. It was always those four-quarter interceptions. Just when you got comfortable, boom, throwing a pick six to, to lose the game. So, yeah, you know, 
Dak has shown me enough. No, he's shown me enough to where while we still <laughs> trying to franchise him and, and see, uh, he hasn't shown them enough, obviously, but he's, he's shown me enough to I, I think he should have already had that, you know, long term long term contract. Okay. Look, I'm not, not saying I'm not, I'm, not saying he, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying he's Troy Aikman and Roger Staubach, but I'm saying he's done enough to get a deal. Okay. Okay. The bigger thing about Dak is the line has to stay healthy. The line stays healthy, and Zeke does his thing. Dak does enough to win to get you to the next level. Man, I could be the quarterback, and that's the stipulation. Can't throw for me and you, Coach. I'm sitting right next to you. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> That's it. That's it. You know, he's got the pieces in place. They, you know, the defense needs to step up and, and losing McCoy and, and Van Der Esch has already got that neck issue. That's that the side that's a little bit more worrisome. You know, can they stop anybody? That still remains to be seen. But you know, offensively, they got plenty of firepower. Now, what about these 49ers and Garoppolo, man? I mean, is he the one to get up where we need to be? Jimmy G, now, I know, uh, Jimmy G, check some of the senior young, baby, and we're going to be about the Super Bowl again. We're going to win it this time. Y'all heard it here first. Mm. Ooh. Ain't nobody going to reply to that. Ain't nobody going to say nothing to that, huh? Oh, I, I, look, look. Jimmy Garoppolo, I believe in Jimmy G. I do. I, 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 the 49ers will win the Super Bowl if we have a Super Bowl this year. You can't convince me otherwise. Oh, my. Oh. <laughs> now, TV, if TV believing in Jimmy G, why y'all trying to give me crap for believing that? I mean, both of y'all in the same boat. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> y'all need a Patrick Mahomes like me, see? And then we're, y'all will be ready to go. <laughs> oh, I love it! I love it, man! I love it. How you how you put up with him, Coach? Coach, you how you feel hey, every week, man? I, I tell you, I, his wife needs to take his phone at night. I think he's cheating on her. He ain't right. <laughs> oh, he winning, he riding with a different he team every five okay. minutes. <laughs> I think he got a whole other family in Frankfurt. Just be on the lookout for him. They got a whole other family, family in Frankfurt. Uh-oh, uh-oh, that's a that's a Mari topic there now. We have to say that for Mari tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Man, fellas, we always enjoy having y'all. Everybody check out the next episode, Taste Creek Coach, tomorrow. And look, I, look, you need a money order or a Venmo for my shirt, let me know, man. But, uh, yeah, I'll definitely take some swag for you. All right, man. We'll DM you and set that up. We take care of y'all. And thanks for having hey, us, y'all. We appreciate y'all. it. Yes, y'all appreciate it. Thank you. Take care, fellas. Appreciate it. Coach Buford, Coach Trump, Big Things Kentucky, YouTube series every Thursday. And they, look, they are in-depth, especially the Lexington area high school stuff. They, look, they know who's doing what, football, basketball, all the teams in there, Taste Creek, Lexington Catholic, George Rogers Clark, you know, all the teams in there. 
they are on it, man. And helping kids get exposure, helping kids get on the map. So they they are definitely doing big things. That's the name, Big Things for Texas. Exactly. Glad they could stop by. Uh, hopefully, the one thing I, I, I'm glad they put out there is Knockwood, that so we do have a college or a high school sports season. Um, more local teams playing each other, like Sanex going to uh, play Frederick Douglass, because uh, yeah. Trinity and Sanex, uh, they play a lot of teams outside. They go to Ohio to play. I would definitely like to see more interaction, especially between the bigger Louisville and uh, Lexington schools. Mm-hmm. And, man, like Frederick, Frederick Douglass, like uh, the kid, the uh, the Kel Crowder's kid just committed to Kentucky as a wide receiver, the big offensive lineman that Kentucky is trying to get, Jagger Burton. And, look, was it St. X, they've been known forever. So the two of them playing, that is, that is huge. I didn't know that they were scheduled to meet, but look, I don't, I'm not as clued in on everything in high school, but like you said, they put that out there. That is, if they get to play it out, that's huge. That's huge. So, uh, and it's the, the two cities, Lexington and Louisville, you know, little bragging rights, and you know, that'll be WLEX, all the news channels will have it. That'll be huge this fall if they get to go at it. So, absolutely. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah I think I saw you tweeted out first. Uh, former Alabama, former Oklahoma, current Philadelphia Eagles, and I put my Eagles hate aside now after Jalen Hurts got a backpack with Alexander's name on it after Alexander had Jalen Hurts on his backpack, which I mean, yeah, that's uh, as heartwarming uh, as it uh, gets. Yeah, a, a little boy, uh, I believe mother put out there that he had Jalen Hurts' name on his backpack, and, and, and Jalen Hurts saw that and put his name on the backpack. You know, we get it's easy to get caught up in what's wrong. It's easy to get caught up in uh, kind of the big picture stuff. But, uh, you know, there's so much good going on, you just have to pay attention to. And that, to me, is the beauty, not just of sports, but just of life. So I know that people follow me and think that, you know, I'm negative and this, that, and the other. But there's so much good just going on just within my own life and just in general. You just have to look. And it's not, it may not be anything big and fancy. It could be just putting the young man's name on your backpack. But there's so much good, you just have to look out for it. Now, that doesn't mean we ignore the bad, but that just means, hey, sometimes it's, it's great to just stop and, and you know, not just smell the roses, but look, look for the good stuff as well. Yeah, and that's, you know, from a – and a lot of these, you know, young adults in college do a, a lot of great things. You know, uh, we've seen Kentucky football and basketball players – you know, go to Kentucky Children's Hospital on their off days or 
And when they get some free time and do different, various different things in the community, we've seen that take place. Uh, and Jalen Hurts is not saying he's any different. He's, you know, young 21, 22-year-old kid doing the same thing. You know, high-profile career at Oklahoma and Alabama. A rookie now with the Eagles, you know, wonder about how he's going to try to fit in and, you know, what the playbook is and, you know, well, I get used in different packages when Carson Wentz is off the field. He got a lot of stuff that he's probably worried about or got on his plate uh, as he's making the transition to become a pro athlete. And to still just take time out to see Alexander get a Jalen Hurst backpack and then he go out and get Alexander on a backpack. You know, I'm not saying he can't, you know, he got plenty of money to do that, but to take the time to do it, you know, from a young adult who, you know, if you never even saw it or, you know, didn't notice it, it's probably what most people would expect. But for him to take the time to go through that and do that, you know, it says a lot about his character. It says a lot about him. Yeah. And yeah. that's why I said there's so much good out there. Uh, don't 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 get caught up in the bad. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. We had uh, some, well, we talked about the movie The Shaking with Kenny Payne last year, going, last week going to the Knicks, Dwayne Peavy possibly moving on to DePaul, um, some moving going on with the UK media, uh, which Dan Rafer, which we never had him on, but, you know, he did the Locked On podcast with Cal Tucker did news and sports there in Lexington. I think he moved to Michigan a couple of weeks ago. His wife got a big job up there, so they moved from Lexington to Michigan. Then Cal Tucker, who you got on this show, you know, got him on one time. You and I saw him, or would you know get to chat with him when we get to cover games. We always marveled at his ability to multitask. You know, you mentioned it the first time you saw him. He had the tablet. He had the phone. He had, you know, the iPad. He had all the devices working during the game, during the post game, getting quotes, getting his story together. He now has moved back to Nashville. Still going to be covering the Cats uh, in, in, a, in some capacity for the Athletic, but also covering the Titans there in Nashville because – all the family was there. His family was there. His wife's family was there. They got twin three-year-olds, which you and I have both had three-year-olds on two different occasions, but never at the same time in the form of twins. And he had that going on with a wife who had one health problem after another, and they were doing all that with no family around them because all their family was in Nashville. So they moved back to Nashville to be back with the family, have a little help with the kids, a little break for him and the wife. Uh, he gets to still do some Titan stuff, still do some UK stuff. So just wish them all the best with the move back to Nashville, and then we'll still see him do some UK stuff on occasion too. Yeah, I, I saw that Kyle Tucker was – him and Mary Vaughn, the first time I got to cover a Kentucky game, they were the two that really kind of took me under their wings and, and 
made me not feel as completely ridiculous uh, doing it. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, uh, you know, being close to family is, I don't want to say it's underrated, but it's key. Uh, you, you've got to be relatively close to family raising kids. I, I, I see people that, you know, they have kids in the city that they are not from, that the South is not from, but you're kind of, you have a different kind of support system. Uh, when my wife and my ex, we bought a house, we bought a house about seven minutes away, depending on a traffic light or two, seven minutes away from Mama and Papa B. Right? So we were literally right around the corner from, from this. So, uh, you got, it's good to have that support system. So happy for Kyle. Uh, I know he's going to be doing uh, like some, some some more deep dives, maybe not the nuts and bolts of what's going on in the program, but some, some deeper looks. So I look forward to that. I love his work on the uh, athletics. Uh, he does a fantastic uh, player profile. You know, you and I talk about you know every year we've got a year that certain percentage of fan base. I don't know these guys. I don't know these people. I don't. You'll get to know these new people every year. It's exhausting. Well, check out Kyle Tucker's work. You know, he went to uh, Nate Cestina's family there in Pennsylvania. He spent time, like, uh, if you read what Kyle is producing, then you will know these guys probably more than you knew a bunch of the old-time fellas that were there in Kentucky three or four years. So so pay attention. So definitely uh, I think it's a good thing for Kyle and his family. I, you know, I look forward to, to keeping uh, reading his work. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And <laughs> you bring that same detail to the Titans that he had to his time at Kentucky and his time at Virginia Tech before he even came down to start covering Kentucky. And you, you know, we like you said, we don't we neither one of us had twins, but we had toddlers on two different times. And if you did that, where your family wasn't. I'm a couple hours away from my parents. My wife's family is here. And, you know, my mother-in-law and father-in-law hipped out you know, with, with both of them. So, yeah, to do it on your own by yourself and both parents be healthy is hard enough if you're in a city on your own. But then you have twins, and then you have a wife who has had battled a lot of health issues. You can you can imagine how stressful and, and tiresome that had to be, and and it had to wear them out. It had to wear on them to just continue to be in it together. But both of them no doubt having to be worn down because there's, there's, there's not much of a break or no let up for it when it's just the two of you on your own like that. Absolutely. So uh, I, I believe that, 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 that Mrs. Tucker, Kyle's wife, is, is kind of out of the woods on some of those medical things. So definitely still sending some good yeah. vibes out to, uh, out to this. Yeah. And at the end, he's like, you know, a lot of people that do have them, you know, they have personal news that they want to share. We've seen people in the media do it. You, know, you put your tweet out when you got the 
ESPN 680 opportunity. I put the tweet out when I got the Living Kentucky podcast opportunity. He put out that they were moving, explained why back in Nashville now to be close and have support from the family. And at the end, he asked for <laughs> any recommendations for restaurants. So um, I had to put Puckett's on there. If you haven't been to Puckett's Grocery in Nashville, it's really good. You know, I saw it on Food Network one time, and their meatloaf is, is just off the chain. I love going to places. You know, if you go to different places or places you've been before and eating at places that, you know, I've seen on Chopped or, you know, seen on, you know, Guy Fieri show, you know, checking them off, you know, lists while you're in a certain city. So, Puckett's in Nashville is real good. So, hopefully they'll have a date night where they can go there and, and get them some meatloaf or whatever they want. Where do you hit when you go to Nashville? Now, you cover a lot of SEC tournaments and you, know, you love food just as much as I do. Are there any spots in Nashville that you have been to that, you know, stood out? I'm trying to think. It's been a while since I was really in Nashville to kind of hang around Nashville. It's been a while. I, I'm not going to say anything right off the top of my head because, man, it's been, it's, been, it's been a minute or two. It's definitely been a minute or two. Are you a hot chicken guy? Because you mean they're famous for that. I, I, I'm, I'm not too much on hot and spicy. And I think that has to do with because my dad was into hot and spicy. And I think he probably gave me something a little too hot, a little too spicy when I was a little too young. <laughs> so, you know, my, my, my order when I go to a lot of places, when I go to Indies, I get the mild. And that's enough for me. I, I'm I'm not the spicy, spicy kind of guy, uh, to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah, I can kind of. I wouldn't say I'm just all in on it either. Like, uh, you know, if I'm if I'm eating, you know, you know Chinese food or Asian food, I I put a little dab of wasabi in there and just kind of mix it in, you know, because you know if you you mess with some wasabi, it'll it'll light you up. And if if you old as we are, you uh, you remember Griffin on that other Cosby show, you know, Wasabi. And he kept piling it up, and, and of course, it lit him up. But, I, I mean, I put a little Wasabi in just for a, a little heat and a little kick. I'm, I don't care for buffalo anything. Buffalo wings, buffalo shrimp, buffalo chicken, That that's just, to me, is just a, a waste of some good shrimp, chicken, or uh I just I can't do the buffalo, but uh, it, it's just it's just weird. But I'll do a little bit of heat, no buffalo, but uh, that's just kind of me. Maybe it's a little bit too picky, but I've just never been a fan of that. Yeah, I, I stay away from that. I'm I'm kind of I'm kind of lame uh, myself. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So, you know, it's it is what it is. Everybody got their own different taste and preferences. Uh, what makes it all little varieties of spice of life, and the degree of spice varies depending on how much spice you like. And for you, it wouldn't be that much, but you know, it's understandable. You had a bad experience when you was little, and you know, Papa B. 
Like he set you on fire one too many times. I got I got scared straight. His son tried it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Now did he cook a little bit too or did Mama B just throw down for everybody? Oh no, he cooked he cooked as well. My dad's uh part of his um release was cooking. And when I mean he could cook, he had his own barbecue sauce. But he would cook um Cornish game head. He would cook oh. he had this Hawaiian pepper steak that was a stir fry type thing. He absolutely was meticulous in the kitchen. Uh you know that's one thing that my parents did for me that I'm so thankful for is when it came to things around the house, it wasn't this is what the woman does, this is what the man does. It was basically like, yeah. okay, when you when you have a house, there are things that have to get done, and you got to take turns doing it. So, you know, my dad cooked, my dad cleaned, my mom cooked, my mom cooked. So... I'm very thankful for that example that they gave me. But my dad, yeah. and he was he was meticulous. He absolutely, when it came to recipes, he had a uh, shrimp gumbo, uh, seafood gumbo, excuse me, that was just fantastic. Uh, he did uh, uh, this chicken cacciatore that was just magnificent. Uh, but here's the funny thing is he would tinker around and he would get his recipes together, right? And you couldn't be in the kitchen when he was cooking. And when he was making his sauces and doing different things like that, uh, you know, matter of fact, Mama B and I, we cleaned out the junk drawer probably the first part of the whole pandemic, the quarantine, we cleaned out one of the junk drawers, and we found a shopping list that my dad had written out, a grocery shopping list, and he had, you know, apples and whatever, whatever. And then he wrote down chili stuff. Like, he didn't even write down the ingredients on the list for stuff that he put in uh-huh. the chili, which was fantastic. So uh, some years ago, uh, my ex and I, we decided that we wanted to make some chili. So he wrote down what we thought was his chili recipe, and we fixed it. We said, this just doesn't taste quite right. Come to find out, he had left out an ingredient and just said, we need to figure it out. So he had all these recipes <laughs> that, that, were in, that were in his head that he just he didn't write down. And I kept trying to say, hey, write them down, write them down, write them down. And then, uh, for those that don't know, uh, my dad, before he passed, he had early onset dementia, the same uh, condition uh, that Pat Summit had to deal with. And so one day, I visited him, and and he stayed with it pretty much to the very end. But I said, hey, you know, you didn't tell me what the ingredient was in the chili. I don't know what the missing ingredient is in your barbecue sauce. I don't know a lot of these recipes. And he looked at me for a moment, tilted his head to the side and said, well, that's too bad. So, oh. <laughs> you know, and I oh, tell people, like, oh, that's too bad. But I'm like, but that, that to me is, is funnier. It means more than if he had given me the recipe. 
because I'm convinced that even if he gave me every single thing, I wasn't going to be able to do it the same way, you know. But, uh, uh, yeah, uh, my dad definitely, he, he cooked, he grilled, he was uh, just so meticulous with it. Because uh, his whole thing was he did everything like a TV show, meaning he had everything chopped, everything measured out before he even turned the stove on. Right, like he was, he was ready to go with it, and and add it like they did on a TV show. He was very, very oh, uh, wow. serious about that. Wow. Uh, all pre-measured out with my dad. Yeah, he was good to go. He was good to go. Funny story, uh, my ex now we tried to do. Uh, he called it Hawaiian pepper steak. It was a stir fry type thing. It was delicious. Pineapples and red and green peppers and just oh, it was great. And so he gave us most of that recipe, and he said, before you get started, make sure you got everything measured out. We thought, hey, there's two of us. We should be able to do this. And, Vinny, I'm telling you, we were about two hours into this recipe, and I'm like, this is the worst decision I think I've ever made. Like, we were just all over the place, burning. Like, it was just, it, it was just a, it was a mess. It was a mess. But but that's that that's how that's how my dad operated. He absolutely could 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 cook with the uh, with the best of them. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, I'm definitely the same way as far as you know the cooking, the cleaning. As you know, you just pitch in and do whatever needs to be done. Uh, you know, ironing clothes. You know, my mom made sure I could do all of that. She's uh, like, look, she's like, ain't, ain't no need of you going straight from mom to wife, and then she's mad because you don't know how to do nothing. She made sure I <laughs> I can make the bed, I can wash clothes, I can cook, vacuum, all that, you know. So changing diapers when you have kids, you know, all, whatever, whatever you got to do, you know, jump in and, and do it, you know, just like mom did. Now, who, my question, who we've seen you tweeting out, uh, stuff about Mom B, you just talked about Papa B saying, look, that's just too bad. You figure out that ingredient or, you know, good luck trying to figure out what the missing ingredient is that I purposely left out. Who's the who's the most savage? Does Mama B be lighting you up with some savageness? And now you just talked about how savage your dad was. Who was the most savage of the two? Or was it was it a tie or, or what? Oh, it was a tie, man. Like, you, you and, and I think and, and, and you understand this with your with how your parents a good a good marriage is in here we are giving relationship advice but you you got to have two people and it's got to be kind of equal uh, and so my, my parents were both equally savage to me and my brothers like it, you know I, I think you talk about the other day because around the house I wear my basketball shorts right. That's just my casual, my basketball yeah. shorts and a T-shirt. That's right, right now. Mm-hmm. I've got my BJ Armstrong, uh, 1986, 87 uh, shorts, right? Uh, Iowa shorts. Uh, and Mama B established this. You always dress like you go into a basketball game, and I said that's because ball is life. And my mother, who has loved me for all 43 of my years, looked me in my face and said, "You're 43. Ball is no longer life." 
for you. So. <laughs> so, uh, uh, uh. Uh, so. That reminds me real quick. I was playing basketball, 10 years old, playing basketball in, you know, Little League basketball. And um, my dad, I can't. Something like a test coming up. My dad said, oh, you need to start work on this test. I said, no. I said, I'm going to be the next Magic Johnson. I'm going to play basketball. I'm going to play basketball. And I went out, and I missed a bunch of shots and everything. And my dad said, tough, tough day. I said, yeah. He said, well, perhaps you need to focus more on your studies than you do on your shooting. <laughs> you know? And some people would say, you know, that's mean. You got you to gotta, – uh, uh, you know, support your kids, but no, that's what I needed to hear. Like, hey, you are not going to make it playing basketball. Focus on your studies. <laughs> so, my my parents they kept it real. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. As I'm sure they had a little savageness for each other. It was always funny watching my grandparents get in little spats <laughs> with each other. You know, been married forty, fifty years. <laughs> and I think mean, like. Like Kevin Hart, even I think he even did a little bit about it on one of his one of his stand-ups. You know, and it's it's over something so minute, something so silly. But they'll be at each other's throats about it for just a little bit. But it was, you know, my grandparents both both of them like that on my mom's side and my dad's side. Just you know, get into it about something, some little tiff <laughs> that they didn't see eye to eye on for a little bit. But that kind of stuff was funny too. Uh, it's just that little stuff you remember growing up. The, the, the funniest was, you know, Mama B's from Memphis, right? She's Memphis State. And, 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 and dad, my dad went to uh, Louisville. And for those of a certain age, the Louisville-Memphis State rivalry in the Metro Conference was huge. Like I, you know, at that point in the mid-'80s, I would say that the Louisville-Memphis rivalry was was deeper than Louisville Kentucky because the the Louisville Kentucky rivalry was relatively still new in the mid eighties, but but Louisville Memphis State was just a absolute it was brutal and they would go back and forth about Louisville and Memphis State and I would be cracking up because my mom would have people coming <laughs> from Memphis State. And my dad would be like, "Oh, we gotta have the good silverware, you people from Memphis." So, so. <laughs> <laughs> they, <laughs> they were seeing each other oh, over those Louisville Memphis State games. So, uh, absolutely, yeah. That that that's that's a, that's the a, a good thing. Absolutely, I talked about that a little bit with uh, with Tony Duck on Bleeds in Kentucky because he's from Brownsville, right there beside of Memphis, and he grew up a Memphis fan before getting recruited to Kentucky and. Coming to Kentucky and seeing, you know, how passionate the fan base is, and deciding to commit to Kentucky. But he was the same way. That that hatred for Louisville had respect for them, you know. But I couldn't stand Purvis. I couldn't stand Daryl Griffin, you know, because you know, he was a Memphis guy and he was true to the 901 growing up. And that rivalry was real, like you talked about. Uh, you talked about, you know, shifting over to Kentucky. You know, they're already a rival, and and he said, of course, while I was there, you know, we was beating them down anyway. Beat them, I think, throughout three out of four years he was there. So, but he already had that, you know, Louisville zeroed in as a rival, just like Mama B did 
with her being a Memphis alum too. So yeah, that Memphis move ain't no joke. Well, and, and let me just I can I can say this story because uh, my brothers have gone on, uh, so I can share this story. The first fight I ever saw, I was about nine or ten. And this was when the Metro Conference, the tournament was always in Louisville, right? So I went with me and my two brothers, and Louisville and Memphis, I don't know, I can't remember if they had played or were going to play, but in the Freedom Hall parking lot, we ran into a group of Memphis people. They must have been 10 or 11 deep. And, you know, people start jaw jacking. And my brothers, <laughs> James Jr. and Kenneth Brown, start talking back to these guys. And things escalate. And I distinctly remember my brother Kenneth putting his arms in me, said, get behind me, little brother. And my two brothers wore these dudes out. Warm out. I wore them out. And then, uh, you know, they said, you know, don't tell mom and dad. But I was, I was just like, are you? I mean, they wore them out. Wore them out. And then they just got in the car. We came home like nobody's business. I was like, what in the <laughs> world? But <laughs> I, can, I, can, I can share that story now because God rest their souls. Yeah. But, man, hey. I was just like, wow. They're like, sorry you had to see that. And I was like, oh, no, that was impressive. What are you talking about? <laughs> like, what? I mean, it might have been maybe not 10, but it was like maybe seven or eight dudes. My brother just wore them out. And I was like, Man. oh, my God. Yeah. This went to work. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. My kiddo just said, get behind me, little brother. And they just wore these dudes out. And we stepped through them and got in the car and came home. And I was just, I was stunned. I was like, oh, my, like, what? Because I went from being scared to being just impressed. I was like, oh, my God. So, Bunch yeah. of Tyron Lues laying around to y'all's Allen Iversons. Just stepped right through them. Oh, oh. <laughs> and, 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 you know, I'm not, my, my both of my brothers were, were, were taller than I and very and big, but they were, it was the damnedest thing I had seen up until that point. Right. Yeah. That was that was that, that was that was that was pretty cool. But just to show you how intense that robbery was, that that Memphis hey, hey, that Memphis State Louisville thing was no joke. I would love to see a thirty for thirty on the Metro Conference. Because mm-hmm. you had Memphis State in the eighties, you had Louisville you had Cincinnati, right? South Carolina was a member for a little bit. Florida State was a member for a little bit. And and that Metro – I mean, those games were intense. Those games were just uh, the two-lane green wave, uh, Clarence Weatherspoon at Southern Miss, uh, Ace Custis at Virginia Tech. I mean, there was some really good basketball in that Metro Conference. Absolutely, absolutely good and, stuff. And you know, I forgot what I was going to say, but yeah, I would love to see a documentary on that Metro Conference of the mid to late eighties because it was good. Memphis State was a, a a Final Four team in eighty four. You know, of course, Louisville had their run at the first part of the eighties, so it was some really, really good basketball. Mhm, sure was, sure was. It was fun. 
hitting on this to close things out for sure. Uh, had a fun show like we always do, talking schedule, talking big things from Turkey, talking stir fry and chili and Papa B made, uh, those mystery ingredients that he was like, hey, figure it out if you can. <laughs> so we had all kind of fun, man. Uh, Absolutely. Hope y'all enjoyed it. It'll be out on the podcast. We'll tweet it all out. Put it on the Facebook page. If you missed us now, you can catch it at your convenience. Looking forward to more stuff to talk about next week. Looking forward to the rest of these playoffs. MLB is already going and inching our way towards college football. So we'll see what happens. TB's got eight and two. I got seven and three. Y'all tell us what y'all think, and we'll see how it all plays out. Been another fun show, man. Yes, yes, and we'll yes. And we rest of the evening. Okay. You do the same. We're going to relax. Hopefully my, I said, uh, hopefully my Lakers can bounce back uh, and, and, and take care of the Blazers, but they're going to have to defend better and, and shoot the three a little bit better. That's it. That's it. Maybe they'll, it'll all start clicking for them, you know, and, in game two, they took one on the chin, and, and we'll see. Maybe LeBron and AD do. Maybe LeBron, maybe AD gets in the paint a little more. He shot five threes. Maybe he just gets in there and shoots over people. Uh, yeah, and y'all yeah, lock the game up a little bit. Yeah, got to. Because Caruso ain't the dude. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. That little that dunk he had got him going, but then after that, it, it was kind of downhill for him after that. Yeah. yeah. So we'll see what tomorrow night brings for the top seeded Lakers. Have fun. Have be safe, everybody. Appreciate y'all listening. Terry T C V Brown, Vinny Hardy, Cast Talk Wednesday. We'll see y'all next week. Yes, so be careful.